From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. I am Scott Armstrong and it is good to be back with you. We are going to be dedicating the next two episodes to something that I think is extremely intriguing. And so I hope that you, listener, agree. But first of all, I need to present a few people to you. Uh, To my right, Reverend Dario Richards. Hey. (laughs) To my left, Emily Armstrong. Hello, everyone. And across from me, Natalie Franco. Hi, guys. We are a podcast that deals with missions, that deals with culture. And man, right up my alley was when our regional director recently sent an email to all of us as regional coordinators. Some some don't know, but we are in a region of the Church of the Nazarene called Mesoamerica. Uh, Emily and I serve as coordinators of two ministries, Global Missions and Genesis. In other episodes, you can look and see all that, all that those entail. But he essentially sent, I think, a very important question. He asked all of us as regional coordinators, what challenges do we foresee the church facing after the pandemic? Okay, so essentially what challenges do we see the church needing to address as we come out of this time of COVID and and the pandemic? Now, I'm curious how you would all respond. Uh, Emily and I responded in different ways. We ended up writing articles because I was like, I think this... It is valuable to just share our thoughts, but certainly we couldn't cover everything. He needed a response pretty much that same day. And so we kind of reflected a little bit and then responded. But I'm going to kind of ask, uh, maybe uh, Dario, Natalie, especially since Emily and I have been the ones that even have written on this and already had a few moments to think about this, several weeks to think about this. What do you guys think? What, what If you had to answer that question, what challenges do you foresee the church facing after the pandemic? What, what would you say? And, and let, let's just couch it in this way. This episode, let's kind of really focus on the local church. And the next episode, let's focus on more like a global or a strategic kind of regional global level. What, what do you think? What challenges does the local church face as we're now coming out of this pandemic time? Yeah, um, I think there are a number of challenges and I could just speak just from you know, having pastored, pastoring a local church. Um, one of the first challenges that I see emerging is a rethinking of membership, you know, mm. how we think about church membership, just given the reality of, you know, hybrid circumstances, some meeting in physical buildings, some meeting online. Um, I also know models emerging where, there's a greater level of decentralization from the local church into communities and into homes, you know. So so how do we really now define a member of the Church of the Nazarene? Hmm. What does that look like? How do we rethink that? Um, I think that's one thing that would emerge coupled with um, just how do we double down on our Christian maturity pathways? I think one of the things that COVID exposed, which we have mentioned before, is just, you know, just how fragile some person's faith was. Um, mm. You know, like, like we have this this conversation. I, 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 don't, I don't want to refer to it as a joke, you know, of persons who were just waiting on an opportunity to leave the church. You know, they were coming all their lives or their parents were making them come. And they had gone, their minds had left long time. You know, they, they were interested, but they, you know, just the, discomfort of actually walking away 
you know, they will still come and go through the motions. And I guess COVID presents this opportunity now where, you know, they don't have to leave by choice. You know, they're actually mandated by government not to go to church, you know. <laughs> and then when it opens again, you know, they don't come back. And it really began to expose or begin to question if our efforts in building, strengthening, developing mature Christians need to be, you know, we need to revise it to make sure that because, because the pandemic is not new. The church historically has faced multiple um, things that try to destabilize, mm. that try to disrupt. And I perceive in the future, there are going to be more pandemic-like things that will seek to destabilize, to disrupt. And the question, you know, one of the questions that we have to be consistently asking ourselves is not just how do we go about trying to grow wide, but how do we grow deep? Mm. You know, not just how many numbers we could get back into the building or how many numbers we could have on platforms, but we can know that the members that we have are actually maturing in Christ. Their faith is becoming solid, um, that they're dealing with hardship and difficulty in a biblical manner because hardship and difficulty is not something that's just going to disappear. You know, the pandemic is just one more thing. You know, things will continue to happen. So I think that's one major area, rethinking membership and, and Christian maturity. So would you say that you think the pandemic kind of shone a light on our deficit of of uh, deep discipleship in our local yeah. churches, yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think the the apart from persons leaving, you know, persons who you thought would be around forever, you know, wouldn't leave. I think it also became clear, especially initially, how we dealt with the pandemic. <laughs> you began to hear. Um, or you began to see in, in so many ways for how people would speak, how people would engage, you know, just the perspective that they had on dealing and coping with hardship, dealing and coping with, you know, quote unquote opposition or even persecution. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people thought, you know, the government closing churches is an act of persecution against the church. Mm -hmm. You began to realize how, um, immature we are in some of our thinking and perspectives and then also in our coping um, with the pandemic on the whole so I think the pandemic really did shine a light on mm. our immaturity and the need to refocus on on our Christian maturity and development yeah I completely agree another thing that I was just thinking that came up to my mind it's talking about technology I think as local churches we need to update and this is something I was thinking before reading uh, Scott's article because <laughs> he's thinking another way. And I think it's, I think the same as well. But uh, something I've seen, for example, I was able to go to another church, not my local church. And I remember they had an evaluation. It was just like a month ago. And they were pretty much asking to the members, like, what do you expect us to change or to, to do better? And most of the members, they were saying, we need you guys to transmit the service through Facebook or through Internet. because Not because we don't want to come, because they are just doing it like before. Sure. Everything is just like before the pandemic. And they're like, 
everybody else is updated talking about technologic uh, and we are just like before mm. and I think this is another way to reach more people not only in our community but also in other communities and even in other countries so I think this is something we can do we have the resources to do that mm. I think we all should think this way to update. And I've seen a couple of churches in our region, in Mexico, they have started YouTube channels, not maybe for the services, but also we want to teach about discipleship. We're going to start this channel. And it's something amazing that it's helping not only our congregation, but others that wants to get to know better about discipleship. And then I was reading what Scott was saying. I was like, yes, that's right, too. He was saying also that we cannot assume that everyone has become a digital native or tech savvy. And it's right. <laughs> we cannot just assume that everybody knows how to use technology. So we have to provide like we have to be like hybrid in those spaces. You know, I did write that. And that's interesting because I feel We started to offer a lot from the regional level, but also I think on district levels, we started to offer trainings and we started to to offer things. And some people within a month really had had made the transition. Uh, what's Zoom? Okay, now I know what Zoom is. Um, I mean, obviously there was there was some hiccups, but you could start to see that the same people were at every training. Yeah. <laughs> and as I started to actually say, like, you feel good as your ministry and, you, and you're like, man, oh yeah, like 80 people are here and they're, they're receiving. And then you realize like a month later, it's the same 80 people, you know? And again, this isn't just a local church thing, but then you start to, to count how many members are we? How many members in our district? And we're offering this to everybody and 80 people have come, but there may be 4,000 Nazarenes in our district. We're clearly not reaching a huge swath, a huge group of people. And then I see the other side, which is some people have adapted, but some people still, they would never have even the money to use their smartphone to be on a Zoom, mm -hmm. to stream a service. We stream service from this very room where we are here in Dominican Republic. We stream services. And there were times we had literally two people. You can see on Facebook Live how many people are with you. And it said two, folks. I mean, it said two. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, that's discouraging, right? Then I started to realize... Well, a lot of our community, and some of you know, Esteban is here in the room with us and, and, and helping us with the technological side, but he knows so our people can't just stream a live service. Yeah. I mean, that would be a huge sacrifice for them to spend an hour and 15 minutes of their data and of all of their hard-earned money to just be connected with us, you know? And so it started to help me. Hybrid is the word. It started to help me to say the need for some people will be still to have a devotional booklet in their hand. Exactly. Right. And for other people, it'll be like, no, get stuff through WhatsApp or get stuff through a messaging service. That's just going to every day encourage them. And, and some people will love the YouTube channel, you know, a lot of people, I think, yep. you know, but, but others that just, it's not going to take place of let's meet as a group, as a, as a team, you know? So we need to do better having those conversations. I think another side of the technology conversation of post-pandemic is the church, I think, would behoove us to have a greater recognition of digital content that has a life after the live stream. Mm. And I think we as the church haven't quite grasped that yet. And like, if you look at, you know, TikTok or YouTube or something like that, a lot of the people that are famous today said, 
when I made that one video, it just happened to go viral. And then it's like, it picked up traction, but they had made 16,000 other videos before mm -hmm. that. And it was one that like yeah. put them on the map. Right. And I think about at the beginning of the pandemic, I did like literally a six minute Facebook, um, video for the people that follow our ministry page, just because I knew that they were wondering what's it like to be a missionary right now in this time. And so I just told them, you know, here's the things that we're feeling. Thank you for giving to World Evangelism Fund. We're able to pivot in some of these ways. And that was two years ago. And that one video, I was looking at it just the other day because somebody mentioned it. It's been viewed over like 20,000 times. It's like, I don't have 20,000 people on my Facebook page, but then we were literally invited to a district assembly on a virtual conference and somebody who didn't see it two years ago, didn't see it one year ago, didn't see it one month ago, just found it because we were going to be in a conference and they were like, that was an amazing video. Can I share it with my district? Mm -hmm. I think there is digital content that like we think it's for the right now, yeah. but there's also digital content yeah. that God will use. And so how do you find that number, right? How do you find the ripple of technology? And I, I don't know that we're good at that yet in the church to find the ripple of technology of what it's doing in two years or five years. What I'm doing today could have impact in five years. I don't think we give it as much credit as it probably could have. Yeah. Um, one, one of the um, the unique, which is a different side of the coin, the unique challenges I faced as, um, as a pastor, when the pandemic started, everybody knew it was critical to shift to technology because that's the only place you could actually meet. Um, we were going consistent, you know, the numbers on the Zoom were reflective to the numbers that would be inside the building. Then the building reopened and we were doing the hybrid model, you know, in church and on Zoom. And then a few months passed and there were a core group of people that began suggesting we need to stop doing Zoom. So we need to stop Zoom. Why we need to stop do, doing Zoom? And and their argument was that mm. on a Sunday morning, the people who go on Zoom can come to the church. And if we keep Zoom, they will always have an excuse not to come back to the physical church. And then that creates a dynamic that some people argue from a biblical perspective and the importance of fellowship and being, if there's opportunity to gather together, you should gather together. Uh, some people just spoke from the perspective of, you know, the Sunday morning service becomes the main event. Preparation goes into that. You show up and there are 10 people, you know, in the building, but another 30 who could get up and come on the Zoom. And, you know, there was this, this back and this back and forth debate. Uh, where we settled is that more than engaging the technology, we needed to have a conversation on the strategic use of this technology. And yes. this is where I think the conversation that you're having and what you're saying becomes so important because for a huge part of the conversation was just, we need a way to keep connecting. All right, that has happened. Some shifts have been changing, but how can we become more strategic in the use of this technology? So we wrestled with things. Are we using the technology to serve our current members or are we using it to reach, you know, a wider audience, you know? Are we using it just to stream services and hopefully people are impacted and attracted through the services or do we want to use it for more like training and, you know, facilitating courses and doing Bible studies, etc. And I think that's where that's where part of the gap on the confusion becomes because even though people know it is available, they don't often have 
a clear idea of the value that it can add to what they're doing um, because, you know, there's no strategic purpose behind it anymore. It was just existing to help us remain connecting. So I think part of the conversation as we think about technology, even post-pandemic, is, all right, you served your purpose as keeping us connected. Now, how can we use you best as a part of our, you know, our local strategy? Uh, what is the next frontier of using yeah. Zoom yeah. for us as a local church? Yeah. I think another challenge that I'd love to hear your thoughts on, because I've thought about it quite a bit and I don't quite know where I land on it, is I think a challenge of the church post-pandemic and can we even say wherever post-pandemic, right? <laughs> it's still here. It's still in the middle. We're just not at pandemic levels in some places, which is praise the Lord, we're moving past that. But there is a very real reality of our youth struggling with mental health mm -hmm. yeah. and the anxiety and the depression that has landed on the generation of youth. Like I'm gonna just make it a generational issue that have lived through this pandemic time. Like I think about it in the church that the youth are the people that put typically the feet to the ground and like who has the energy, who has the who has the desire to go out and win the world, who has the desire to let's do all the activities. And it's always been in the youth, right? And there is an entire generation that now is like, I'm so depressed, I can't even get out of my bed. You know, like what do those types of mental health issues do to the local church, not just because they're not meeting together as youth, but like they don't even want to be active in the things that they, you know, do, you know, if they were singing before or if they were riding horses before or whatever it was, like they don't even want to do that stuff. And so how does that affect the church and its mission when we have youth that are struggling with real depression and anxiety issues that aren't just like made up? Like we can read statistics about the anxiety that they're feeling and suicide levels have gone up and stuff like that. Like, I think that's going to be something the church has to continue to look through and struggle through in these days. Yeah, and what I think is, because I've been thinking the same, now the challenge of the church, uh, thinking about that, is to remain united, because as the devil couldn't um, stop the church, he is trying to divide, he's trying to affect the families, as you were saying, um, lots of, I've seen that, lots of um, youth people with anxiety, with depression, sons telling to their fathers, I want, I don't know, I don't know why I'm, I'm living right, right now. Like it's it's a really deep problem, and even in the church, the the devil is trying to divide it with with discussions with the vaccines, mm. for example. Yeah. It, like we've seen, like the devil trying to divide the church, divide the family, divide the groups, the small groups. So I think that the church needs to remain united and move forward united. Yeah. All the missionaries, all the the pastors, all the small groups to preach together about that the Son of God is coming soon. Like we need to stay and remain together yeah. and united. Yeah, I think sharing what Emily you know, pulls with the mental health issues. I think one of the things that, again, the pandemic exposed is years ago, the church should have started to put greater emphasis on other ministries, passions, and callings that were not necessarily pastoral. We have highlighted, and with, with good, you know, within good reason, you know, the preacher, the pastor, the teacher, when there were people around for many years who expressed feeling called to be 
counselors and called to be psychologists, you know, um, called to be involved in different areas of service mm. that weren't necessarily traditional ministries. And I can give you a clear example. Almost every graduate from CNC, Caribbean Nazarene College, the Nazarene College in, in Trinidad, mm. within a particular time frame, they graduated from college doing some level or some form of psychology and counseling. Yeah. And then there are a number of persons who, after graduating from um, theological school, they went on to actually do masters in psychology and in counseling. And obviously the first step for them would be to operate in that practice, you know, in the more secular, more outside of the church field or space. But now we're seeing the need to have those types of individuals with those passions and those callings integrated into the ministry that we offer you know to as we think about even missions and compassionate ministries you know we have this tendency to think compassion just through the lens of clothing and food but compassion is also meeting the psychological needs how do we open or start a counseling center as a church to provide mental health services uh, from a christian bias a christian influence and offer this as a service to our society because there's a real need. I'm not just psychologists, but also sociologists as well. Um, because, you know, you quickly realize in the developmental stage of individuals, especially teenage preteens, teenagers, early young adults, social interaction is a huge component of their formation. As a matter of fact, there's a period, there's a period in our development called the peer impact years where the most important thing for your development is how your peers are impacting you. That's when your parents don't have as much of a authority as they used to and mm -hmm. who you hang around is now contributing mm. to shaping, you know, who you are. And then a pandemic happens when things are in the midst of that. And, you know, what is critical or something that was critical for their formation, for their development is now gone. You, you can see where they were falling to, you know, depression. They were falling to self-doubt. They develop a lot of identity issues. And then what makes it worse is that we are now trying to find a solution or a means or a source to offer them some type of relief. And I think it's just going to be challenging us as a church uh, to be more creative. Mm -hmm. What I am encouraged by is that many of the solutions are not things we need to go and look for. I think that we have them. I think they're mm. available. I think from the mental health position, I think we have enough resource personnel in the region for cross-fertilization to happen. It's just for us to, to be creative, to be innovative, and to be willing enough um, just to open space for those persons with those callings to now function and meet those needs. This has been excellent. Uh, I'm thinking we do need to dedicate another episode to this. And maybe in the next episode, we can really start to talk strategy and we can talk about local church. There's no church other than the local church. So everything, even as we talk strategy on a global or regional level, we need to be talking about what the implications are for our churches, our local members. But this has been excellent. Man, there are so many ways I would like to go. I think we need to conclude it there. But Emily, if people would like to not just wait a couple weeks until our next episode, but if they would like to get in touch with us and say, here's how I would answer that question. Here's what I see in our local church context. How can they do that? Yep, we're on Facebook at the Worthless Servants Podcast. You can also find more episodes 
Uh, we've actually talked a lot about the pandemic in the past two years, so I'm sure you could find six sure. or seven probably. Um, if you want to hear some of our thoughts about the pandemic and post-pandemic on mesoamericagenesis.org on the podcast tab. And you can literally subscribe to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, whatever, Stitcher. I mean, come Every on, Every other folks. week you could have Scott in your ear. <laughs> yes. yes I <laughs> on demand. I don't know that that was a good sales pitch, but, uh, but yes, that is true. You could have Dar- in your oh, ear. No, no, he does have a good radio voice. I'm glad that you asked me to be Absolutely. part of the cast. Absolutely. Um, so for now, again, we hope that you will come back and be with us in two weeks. But for now, we are the Worthless Servants, and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Dario Richards. I'm Natalie Franco. And I'm Emily Armstrong. And we will talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.